everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And you're listening to a new episode of the Gourmet Goober Podcast. I am JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. You can always find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw, on Instagram at Gourmet Goober, and at thegourmetgoober.com, which is our Chicago-based food blog. And as always, I'm here hosting every podcast with my BFF, Partner in Crime. I refuse to say that dude. <laughs> I reluctantly call him the Dark Desperado. <laughs> but... My hubby, T. Outlaw, a.k.a. Big Daddy. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Hi, kids. I am T. Outlaw. You <laughs> can find me on Twitter at T. Outlaw. That's T-O-U-T-L-A-W. And on Instagram at T. Outlaw Chelsea Wells. Like the movie. You can also call me a duck desperado, but why would you? <laughs> if you are so inclined, because I know people have reached out and said, do you do Facebook? Well, the answer is reluctantly. And you can find us on Facebook um, at the Gourmet Goober blog. As I mentioned before, that's how we started. And you can always drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. So this is a segment that we usually share with you how our week went. And I'm pretty sure the answer to that is probably the same as much like many of you. I'm obsessed with the election which we'll talk about in the moment but big daddy outside of that big behemoth that has just taken over all of our lives this past week how was your week uh my week went uh fairly well aside from the 875 pound gorilla that is in the room <clears throat> which we will once again talk about in a moment uh my week went uh pretty quietly actually fairly quickly as Weirdly enough, because a lot of it was spent uh, doing minor projects and working on my health. And once again, I got to give a great deal of love and respect to the gourmet goober because she got the chance to put up with me all week. So I love her and I treasure <laughs> her. But most importantly, she still keeps me around. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> Thank you. No, my week has been really kind of hectic because, um, you know, as you recuperate from eye surgery and I've been doing a lot, the bulk of the driving or all the driving, um, taking, making sure that you go to the doctor, making sure that the fuzz being um, Braxton go and get his shots. Um, the notorious bully. <laughs> making sure he doesn't eat Things that he shouldn't eat on the way to getting his shots. And back. And back. By the way, if anyone knows of an indestructible dog tether, please let me know because he ate his dog tether on the way back from said doctor. He also <laughs> ate a cone. <laughs> yes. He ate two inflatable cones. Oh, my God. I'm not even sure how that happened, but he did. So in between that, um, putting out... I'm almost finished with the big project I was doing at work, my organization's newsletter, which is huge. So I can hopefully breathe a little easier from that. And then just dealing with the stress and the uncertainty of who's our president going to be? Will we have to deal with some of the madness we've dealt with for the past four years? That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been kind of a crazy week. Um, 
Yes, it has. Yeah. Although not all the news, unfortunately, was about the election. Um, as Big Daddy and I were talking about uh, before we hopped on the mic, um, the world lost two heavyweights um, prior to, you know, the podcast recording. Um, all in one Jeopardy segment. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't even realize that till you posted on on Instagram, I was like, damn, both people portrayed in that segment is now unfortunately gone. Yes. The segment, of course, being the very infamous um, Saturday Night Live segment of Celebrity Jeopardy. And of course, I'm talking about the passing of Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery, That's and correct. Alex Tebrek, the host of Jeopardy. Um, damn Canadians. Sir Sean Connery was a Scottish actor, um, best known for his portrayal of James Bond, um, as you probably know. But he actually had a really full career outside of that as well. So before he retired from acting in 2006, um, he did voiceover work in 2012. But he started such great works as Marnie, um, which is another great movie that's a favorite of mine. Highlander, which I love. There can only be one. Yes, um, The Name of the Rose, the very um, incredible um, work um, that covered Umberto Eco's novel of the same title. And my favorite role of his of all time, and my favorite movie of all time, where he was in The Untouchables. How many times Um, have you seen The Untouchables? Oh my God, I can't even say how many times I've seen The Untouchables. I'm obsessed. You know I'm obsessed. Yes, I know. And if you're not familiar with The Untouchables, The Untouchables is a movie version directed by um, the incredible Brian De Palma, where he covered the takedown of Al Capone by Elliot Ness. And it had Kevin Costner, and it had Andy Garcia in one of his first roles, um, Charles Riley, um, who um, was the bookkeeper and um, one of the members of The Untouchables. But he... Um, Sean Connery played this incredible role as a cop who was kind of guiding Kevin Costner's Elliot Ness throughout the entire process of what it takes to take down Al Capone. And his role is extraordinary. Um, I love The Untouchables, one, because I think it's actually the first R-rated movie I was allowed to see growing up. But two, I just love the movie and everything about it. And seeing that I love Chicago, it's like a love note to Chicago. In fact, there's one scene, I don't want to give too much away, but it takes place at Union Station. Yes. And it involves a baby buggy and a great um, staircase and a shootout that takes place there. And I remember when I first married you and Big Daddy, and I used to take the train in Union Station, not realizing that's where they shot The Untouchables. And at one point, I found myself in the back entry where the scene was shot. And I was just so overwhelmed with just blown away that I'm here in this iconic scene, place where they shot the scene. I literally stopped, started crying rather at the top of the stairs. I was bawling. And <laughs> they had closed that section off because they were using it for like some mucky muck with the mayor or something. And there was a guy who worked there, like a security guard who was telling me you have to leave. And he saw me crying and he looked at me and he said, the untouchables, right? 
And I was like, yes, oh my God, I'm in this place. <laughs> so it's definitely one of my favorite films. And For those who cannot see what the goober is, well, I guess everyone <laughs> except me, uh, you should really see the stars in her eyes as she says this and the expressiveness. She loves this movie. Yes, I love question. this movie. I love everything about The Untouchables. I get chills whenever I'm walking down Chicago and I'm in a street that's folk that's featured in the movie. I mean, it's, I just love it. Um, so hats off to Sean Connery. Unfortunately, I had the unfortunate role of waking you up and telling you if it's passing. Yes. Which really sucked. Um, <laughs> it was kind of raw, but at the same time, it's just a, it was a, a weird Saturday morning wake up. But, you know, no one ever talks about the movie that I like from Sean Connery, which Shit. was The Rock. Oh, my God. That's right. It's a silly movie, but. I, the Rock is stupid. <laughs> the hell? If you can tell Nicholas Cage to shut up. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. No, I'm not going to say it because, you know, You're not I like say to be respectable. <laughs> There's right. a line in this movie that he's obsessed with. But I'm Something not about say, prom yeah. queens. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the prom queen tonight. <laughs> but we're just going to say that Sean Connery, just in the limited role he had in the movie, was he stole the show. That was all I can say. But yes, I absolutely positively love The Rock. I'm that type of guy. Let's just say it. But yes, hats off to Sir Sean Connery. Yeah, Sir Sean Connery. And if you ever have a chance to see The Untouchables or any of his movies, because with the exception of Highlander Two, please don't, please don't ever watch Highlander Two. Including what was there? Wasn't there also an Indiana Jones movie? No, he was good in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah. So he played Indiana Jones's father, which he revealed that Indiana took his name from the dog. As a native Hoosier, I was always in, a little <laughs> insulted by that. But anyway, <laughs> um, but his movies are great. The Untouchables are great. His role. As Jimmy Malone in The Untouchables was just incredible. In fact, he got his only Oscar for that. Which, I'm sorry, it, he should have just gotten it for that whole The Chicago Way. That's right. You know. You send one of them to the hospital. No, no, no. Oh, they they come to your house. Right. If, if, they, if they bring a knife, you bring a gun. If they send one of your guys to the hospital, you send one of their guys to the morgue. It's Ooh. The Chicago Way. Excuse me. <laughs> My bad. By the way, so yes. <laughs> where's Nitty? He's in the car. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to stop now because he knows that I know the entire Untouchables movie by heart because I've watched it for years since I was a little kid. Probably should not have seen it. It was a hard R, but it was still great. Yes. But outside of Sean Connery, today, as a matter of fact, as the time we're recording on November 8th, we found out the other bad news in which we are lo we have lost Alex Trebek, the legendary host of the syndicated game show Jeopardy. Um, this is Jeopardy. Yes. So he hosted the show for over 30 years, I think 36 to be exact. Correct. And... Um, he was pretty much synonymous as the host of Jeopardy, so much so that as we joked about earlier, just a few minutes earlier, 
there's a series of sketches that takes place where um who plays okay it's will will ferrell will, portrays will him, alex right? trebek and, and daryl hammond. hammond played sean connery correct yes so i'm it was hard, and I was the one who delivered this news eight days later after losing Sean Sir Connery. Sean Connery. Don't want to mess that up. Uh, I delivered the news to the goober that uh, Alex Trebek had unfortunately left us after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. Right. We were told that he um, was with his loved ones when he passed away, which is comforting, and I... Um, again, as we are, when I say Big Daddy and I are obsessed with Jeopardy, I'm not even kidding. There's like a Jeopardy game that we play, um, try to play once a week with um, our Echo, our yeah, our Amazon Echo, and then outside of that, we very competitively play Jeopardy whenever it's on, where we kind of fight each other to answer the questions first. I always lose. <laughs> See, I was going to say that. But. No, this house, yeah, the goober <laughs> takes over. But yes, my favorite will always be the fact that even though Alex Trebek literally, you, everyone remembers him from Jeopardy. The thing is, this man, for the most part, he has hand in just randomly hosting so many different things. And he also played himself in pop culture in so many different places. Oh, yeah. But my favorite will always be the fact that, always hold on to this nugget, the fact that for one week in 19, I believe it was 79, when there was an issue with Pat Sajak for a week, he actually hosted Wheel of Fortune. Did he really? Yes, he did. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's fascinating, because he also hosted shows like, um, classic concentration mm -hmm. um, to tell the truth, which Correct. is surprising, um, and Double Dare. So, yeah, I did not know that as well. The man also hold. I'm sorry, he also hosted the National Geographic Bee. Oh, yes. That was something that was a, a place of pride with him. Yes. And my favorite of all time, he once hosted a Pillsbury Bake Off show. Did he really? Yes. Okay, that is crazy. I didn't know that. So, Alec, um, Trebek, Trebek, <laughs> seriously, rest in peace and rest in peace, Sir Sean Connery. Thank you so much for making our lives so enriched. Um, and I know there's a ton of information out there, like on Wikipedia and everything, but definitely take a moment, um, watch an episode of Jeopardy as a way to say thank you for the over 30 years of incredible hosting. And then I'm Sean, Sir Sean Connery, you know, thank you for everything. As a little girl, I was in love with you as a Bond girl, <laughs> wanted to be a Bond girl. So it, it was nice to be able to enjoy your wide range of roles while you were here. And thank you for that. Am I allowed to use the tangent that I'm going to go on with? Can I put Alex Trebek on the coolest white man list? <laughs> Do you want to explain the coolest white man list? I don't know. Am I allowed to explain the coolest white man list? Okay. This is a list that you've had since college and you've had to amend it. I didn't even know you were going to include. <laughs> we don't have to include it. Well, you said it now. Now you're going to have to explain it. Okay. The okay. Short how, how, do you, it. how do you explain it in a nice way? There is no nice way. It just is what it is. And this is no, no shade to anyone. Okay. 
you ever have that time when, you know, you and your college roommate, you're sitting in your dorm room late, late, late at night after going to some random cafe after a night of tomfoolery? I love that there's a cafe. I know you guys were drinking. We might have engaged in a few spirits. <laughs> I'm not your RA anymore. It's okay. That's all right. <laughs> we may have engaged in, you know, we had a couple of cheeseburgers. Yes. And some spirits. But yes, we, late night, we, my roommate and I, we all just hung out and just, while, you know, looking at the stars or something, decided, we just said, well, you know, let's just randomly throw like, you know, coolest dudes on the list, you know, like the Clint Eastwoods and whatever. Trust me, that will come up in a minute. Uh, and we went through a whole bunch of people that we thought were like, you know, because, you know, we always got to have like, you know, cool brothers like Shaft or, you know, I don't know. Um, sorry, just Shaft and a bunch of other dudes. But yeah, at the same time, he just, my roommate came up with this cool white man list and somehow Sean Connery was absolutely positively first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like I said, I was originally like a Pierce Bos sorry, Pierce Brosnan Bond fan. You could put him on the list too. There could be more than he one. He ended up on the list. Okay. But you know, Sean Connery was the alpha, the omega of not only the James Bond list, but also the coolest white man list and other luminaries uh were guys like bear with us, this was the early nineties. <clears throat> Charlie Sheen. Chuck Woolery, William Shatner. I mean, there was a whole bunch of other guys, but that was the start of the list. And somewhere we we tossed Alex Trebek on, but when Chuck Woolery got on, like you know, we kind of dro- you know we he he dropped in the rankings. Now, once again, that was early nineties. Now, this was before social media and cancel culture. Yeah. So let's just say that <laughs> if we were to go back and revisit the list. There would be a whole lot of adaptations. Yes. I don't think Chuck Woolery will still be on the list. Maybe Mm -hmm. not Charlie Charlie Sheen either. I think Pat Sajak was on the list too, but... Oh, yeah. You would take out Pat Sajak. Yeah. Was Scott Bale on the list as well? Lord, I hope not. (laughs) By the way, which movie came out with this? Was this Eric? I think Eric started it, but I just started throwing names. I think Alice Trebek has earned his spot, though. I think he used to stay on the list. Yes, he does. (laughs) So basically, the two lasting images on that list were Sean Connery and Alice Trebek. Yeah. Rest in peace to both of you. William Shatner, but that was William Shatner, so. William Shatner's still cool. He is. Dude, he was in Wrath of Khan. William Shatner will always be cool for that. So was Ricardo Montalban. True. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> rest in power, Sean Connery. I'm sorry, Sir Sean Connery and, and Alex, Trebek. Alex Trebek. So outside of that, as we all know, and we talked about a little bit earlier. The behemoth. We, the behemoth that overtook everyone's life is the election. And at the time in which we were taping, some, what, five days later after the initial um, um, the initial election day, we have a winner. So congratulations to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Hey. Um, they are, do we have 
an actual winner. Well, okay. I live in the world of facts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not in the fanti- fantasy land of I hereby claim Pennsylvania for me. Can you Columbus an election result? That was so hilarious. I'm sorry. I tried not. Okay. We don't usually talk about politics Politics on this show. We normally don't because of the fact that, yeah, some of the discussions and the people who lead the discussions have been rather toxic. And we don't want to sit into that fall. Wander into that stew. I mean, the thing is that we're a show that covers food and pop culture. And so usually we can kind of wade through pop culture and avoid it. But it's kind of hard to avoid it this time around. because We ran away from it like the plague. Yeah, it is everywhere. Oh, my gosh. And going back to the tweet about I hereby claim, what was it, Michigan and what was it, Arizona and Nevada and... 45 the occupant in the white house that's right it's not willing exactly was not willing to accept the results and so he just decided you know much like columbus did where even though there are people in the country in which he found himself in you know dropped the flag and claimed it for whatever um much like that even though he lost the count you know, he decided that he won Pennsylvania. I, on the other hand, understanding journalism and science and realizing what goes political science, because believe it or not, I studied it. Science too. And what goes behind the call. I'm going to say that I, for one, accept the the results. (laughs) That in a normal year would have been called a lot sooner. But I understand why and abundance of caution. And I definitely want to congratulate um, Joe Biden. And it's how incredible it is that Kamala is going to be there. I mean, first woman um, VP, um, first black person in the VP spot, first person of South Asian descent in that spot. Mm -hmm. Um, Her husband is, you know, the first gentleman or second gentleman, I think it's his title. Yes, the second gentleman, the um, distinguished second yes. gentleman. Um, just could not be more excited. And apparently we're not alone because after everything was said and done, people went out and party in the streets like it was the destruction of the of the Death Star from Star Wars. They party like it was 1999. <laughs> you know, that scene in the end of The Empire Strikes Back. When they got rid of Palpatine and <laughs> they got rid of, um, you know, Darth Vader and people literally on different planets, they were showing them getting their groove on. Okay. It was kind of like wait, that. Was it Return of the Jedi? Yeah, it was Return of the Jedi. You say Empire Strikes Back. Oh, no. I meant Return of the Jedi. Okay. Yeah. It was I, Return I don't want to fade the Ewoks here. <laughs> the Ewoks could party. Yes. It was... I. Please forgive me, fellow Star Trek, Star <laughs> Star Wars nerds. Okay, yeah. I like them both. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day. JJ and Outlaws a Trekkie. I think I'm uh, whatever the Star Wars fans are. I like them both. Which reminds me, I need to. When we're done here, we're 
I can finally relax and watch the rest of the pan- Mandalorian. Mandalorian, because I've just been so stressed out. You know, I've been trying to binge watch like the last season whenever I could just to kind of get my mind off of things. But it's hard because, you know, everyone is kind of like, it just seems like the whole world stopped while we tried to figure out who the hell is our president, right? Well, I would like to say <laughs> we waited, but no, there was no waiting. We were just kind of like, well, there's a process. It's going to occur. We just have to wait now. I'm not going to lie and say that there wasn't anxiety Oh, on there Tuesday. was anxiety. We were up late le- that night trying to figure out where things were, right? Yeah, I was up late Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, pretty much by Friday. I'm like, you know what? Whatever's going to happen is happening. Yeah, and Friday was like, fuck it. It's yeah. going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Although, I have to say, though, um, it was interesting kind of just watching people's reactions as they were doing the same thing. Like, it felt like we were all in it together. Like, if you, if you guys ever have a chance to follow Leslie Jones on <laughs> Twitter and our Instagram, her reactions to watching the result, I think, are we're all Leslie Jones by, you know, day three or four watching Steve Kornacki at the big board. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing, like with Les Jones, she was basically given play by play of every aspect of this entire process with the different uh, media outlets. Yeah, it was funny. At one point, they were talking about it's all over. We just have to have someone tell the president. And Leslie's like, I'll tell that MFA. <laughs> Give me the phone. I'll do it. <laughs> and I'm like, Leslie Jones for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid a girlfriend would actually be at the golf course, like waiting for him at the golf cart saying, listen, um, listen, homie, um, there's something I got to tell you. You about to lose your job these hands so you might want to start packing up your stuff right now matter of fact i can help you with the supermarket sweep (laughs) oh my gosh speaking of that i think we had that on repeat like we had that primed on our phones like the you about lose your job anthem yes (laughs) how many times did the gourmet guru play it though well it was funny because on Saturday, I, I something just told me that Saturday it was going to break. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Big Daddy, can I play it now? No, no, not yet. Now? No. Okay, Fox News has, or no, the AP had him over 70. I know, but we can't do it yet. And then when everyone started calling it together, you about to lose your job. <laughs> It's a damn shame I'd wait for Fox News to finally confirm it. We had that to was kind of sad. We had to wait and up on wait just on Saturday just to say, okay, everyone else has confirmed this. This is where we are. The world has broadened out, but we need to make sure that it's official. We can have any go like take backs. And again, I understand why they're so careful. They really had to be. And even now, the the insane thing is there's still lawsuits, apparently, that's still going away um, about, what was it, Georgia and Atlanta, and which is kind of stupid at this point. I mean, especially the whole thing about Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania, they actually had, like, 
a YouTube page, like a streaming camera. So you could at any time go and watch them count the results. So it's not like it was close, everybody. So Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won. They gave this incredible speech on Friday night. I admit I cried watching Kamala speak um, because it was just such a huge moment. And not to take shots at Kamala Harris, but right after I saw her give her speech, I cried. And then I wanted some ice cream. What? That's the truth. <laughs> Literally, I'm watching this woman, the first, as you would say, female vice president, the first woman of color. I gave her all the all the praise in the world. She made me cry. She made me excited. And then I looked at the that that jumpsuit. I'm sorry, not jumpsuit, I'm sorry. The outfit, the cream color. And then I wanted some ice cream. I don't know if I would admit it that aloud, though. (laughs) I'm telling the truth. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not sure how to handle that, but okay. (laughs) Hey, we will now refer to her as Madam Vice President, or as, you know, the girls say, the MVP. Okay. The truth. So, outside of that, how did you deal with the stress of waiting for them to announce it? Because I know for me, personally, I've... Okay, I'm not supposed to admit this, but I'm like a huge fan of Teen Titans Go. (laughs) I do. We don't have children. We don't have children. Um, Yes, I know for those of you out there who are DC fans, it's very popular to hate Teen Titans Go because I'm well familiar with the Titans cartoon, the Teen Titans cartoon, and how it's better written and it's more for adults and things like that. No, I just think Teen Titans Go, look, every episode is 15 minutes. So if you want something mindless to get your mind off of writing or something, you can watch it in that perfect little 15 minute segment. They're incredibly stupid. I mean, the humor sometimes is toilet humor. And I find that sometimes you just need that. (laughs) I I think the music is hilarious. I think the characters are great. I personally like their version of Cyborg better than any other version of Cyborg I've seen. Okay. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Teen Titans Go. And so in between all the other stuff that I've been juggling this week, yeah, sometimes I've stuck off and I've watched short episodes and binged on Teen Titans Go. And that's kind of got me through the week of, holy crap, it's day three and they've not named the person yet. And so-and-so is mad tweeting that he owns things. <laughs> He's like Columbusing whole state elections because he feels like it. Um, in fact, there's actually one thing <laughs> that I've been obsessed with that I've been driving Big Daddy crazy with. And it was an episode of Teen Titans where it was the cheese song. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Not the cheese song. <laughs> They, they they told Key Minus, but instead of throwing everything into gold, they turn it into cheese. And I've been like walking around the house for the past five days. Kitty coffee cup, cheese. <laughs> Camel with the hump, cheese. <laughs> he looks at me like, oh my God, can, can you just stop? <laughs> I'm sorry, you want a response to that? 
Because all I'm giving you is, I've heard this song enough. No, the song is incredible. I'm not going to play it because <laughs> I think Big Daddy's going to be mad. Although I did have it primed on my phone for several days. <laughs> but you can go to YouTube. It's Teen Titans Go. It's Turn It Into Cheese. I'm telling you, it's the best 34 seconds that you will spend in your life. So just watch it, get your laugh on, and then you can move about your life. And that's kind of how I dealt with what was going on this week with all the stress. I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, I know that this was the Goober's <laughs> update, to Because I know, like, when she would be stressed, especially during election times and when the dog would be squeaking and Alexa would be going off. I would say that I watched a lot of everybody loves Raymond, of course the King of Queens and weirdly enough for a guy who watches or who would run away from sports other than when he was working, just the fact that there were actual sports going on, I got to admit was a therapeutic exercise for me. So there's you, that. You could have joined me in watching Teen Titans Go. See or, you along with the cheese song. <laughs> yeah, didn't you used to watch the regular show a lot? Yeah, the regular show is the way I dealt with the 2016 election. So I have to admit, I got through the madness of that where I was just so angry. I wanted to like throw things at the TV. Yeah, it, the regular show is another show I recommend. But yeah, if you want to go down the sliding scale to something completely insanely crazy, then Teen Titans Go. That's my new thing. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. At the same time, whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat or help you find your lost remote, we're good. <laughs> but yes, congratulations to Joe Biden and to Kamala. Like I said, they gave their speeches yesterday. It was incredible. I'm so excited. Um, and just looking at all the communities that are out there who came together um, for this and celebrate it and yeah. And celebrate it, but it, it's just nice to be able to move on so that that's not like our obsession for the next, we can finally move on hopefully to inauguration. Now I say that hopefully because the latest news right before we got on the mics is that apparently not only will the occupant in the White House refuse to concede the election, he's not going to invite Biden and Kamala to the White House as far as the transition. Not sure how that's going to happen. I personally think he's not going to leave. We're probably going to have to like check him out like, you know, Jazz is in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, when you see him flying. But... <laughs> Actually, I was going to, uh, this is how old I am. I was thinking more like Axel Foley when they threw him out the window. Oh, yeah. That is true. I thought about that, too. Yes. <laughs> but also, they're probably not going to do that. <laughs> oh, let's I not, so hope. Let's, let's not put that out there. Um, but yeah, we're just super excited. And we share in the celebrations, everyone. We had a celebratory dinner last night ourselves. Um, but yeah. So hopefully this will be the start of something better in terms of just moving towards a society that is kinder to each other again. And I'm not silly to think that that's going to happen overnight because unfortunately, as Biden said in his speech, 
there's either better angels or lesser cells, I think is how he put it. Okay. And there are many people who indulged, people who follow 45, who indulge in their lesser selves, particularly in how they treated people of color and, you know, black people, um, people of Asian descent, the LBGTQ community, all of who are our brethren. And so we certainly hope that this is a move towards something better. We can hope. And hopefully it'll be a step in the right direction and controlling the pandemic as well, um, because that is a major thing that we need to make sure that we stay on top of. That way, if for nothing else, let's now focus on the pandemic so we can get back to what we like to do best. Talk about food and pop culture. More importantly, like actually go review open restaurants. Yeah, we missed that. And I know everyone listening still missed their old lives. So not to end the segment on a downer, but, you know, until we get someone solid who wants to manage the pandemic as opposed to let's just let everyone get sick. Yeah, we'll just that way. If everyone gets it, then we don't have to worry about it. That's clearly not a way to manage it. (laughs) That's clearly not a way to do herd immunity. Herd immunity should be done with you know, vaccines and not just let everyone get sick. Um, so yeah, congratulations to us for voting in someone who believes in science who can hopefully help. Um, so I tell you what, why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we can talk about our three segments of the week. Um, three things that we thought was rather interesting. Oh no, it's more than three things, I think. Okay. And the What's Eating Us segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast. So we will be right back after this quick break. Okay. Hey guys, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we're the co hosts with the Gourmet Goober podcast with a very important question Are you a little gourmet or a lot of wretched? Or maybe you consider yourself gumbo worthy. Hey, if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then you need to tell the world with your very own Goober swag. From mugs and aprons to t-shirts and sweatshirts, it's the perfect way to show your love for the Gourmet Goober podcast and, you know, help us keep the lights on in the process. (laughs) So if you are a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet, head on over to gooberswag.com. That's gooberswag.com. And get your very own Goober gear today. Tell them Big Daddy sent you. That's right. Tell them. Hey, everyone. We are back. I'm JJ Outlaw. And T. Outlaw. And we are back with um, the Gourmet Goober podcast. Do you know your own podcast? (laughs) I do know my own podcast. Thank you very much. It's just been that kind of day, you guys. That's all I got to say. But we are back with our second segment of the podcast that we call What's Eating Us. That's where we share food and our pop culture um, stories. Yeah. What did you say? And we have a dog who's over there crunching. Yes. Well, this is the section where we talk about the intersection of food and pop culture. And yes, as Big Daddy said, you may also hear our dog who is currently going to town on his chew toys right now. 
he was perfectly asleep and we thought now is the perfect time to record. And the second I walked towards the table where we had the setup all ready to go, he looked at me and was like, nah, not today. <laughs> he wanted a contributor's license. <laughs> well, technically he is, technically he is listed as a co-host. And my phone apparently is listed as one too, even though I turned it off. So sorry about that. Let's try this again. <laughs> but yes, um, we have um, three stories this week that tie into um, the election. Well, a couple of the stories tie into the election this week. Mm-hmm. And one that we have been talking a, a lot since we read about it in the New York Times several weeks ago. And it's about... Um, there's a couple articles in particular that deals with the differences between Trump voters and Biden voters when it comes to their food preferences. Which Maybe. is weird because I guess I've never gone that deep into it. You know, food is food, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I tend to believe that the Biden voters eat duck and the Trump voters eat fish fillet. <laughs> okay, you don't necessarily know that. <laughs> yeah okay although my trips to chick-fil-a sometimes kind of leads me to believe a certain thing but we won't go into that <laughs> no we won't <laughs> but you know what the new york times was really curious about it um and back on october the 27th they actually published this really bizarre quiz where can you tell a trump fridge from a biden fridge and so they actually went into the homes of several individuals, they partner up with a company called Lucid, which is an online service survey platform. And they wanted to get a representative samples of people all throughout the United States based on who they plan to vote for. And then they asked them, hey, could you like open your fridge and take a picture of the contents? Hopefully they got a chance to clean their fridges. Yeah. Well, actually, looking at some of the fridges, I don't think they did. Oh, damn. <laughs> some of the fridges were kind of busted. But <laughs> bet them leftovers were a trip. <laughs> but shockingly enough, they got hundreds of responses. And basically what they did is they put the responses up and an interactive serve, um, sorry, interactive quiz on their website. And they let people guess based on the contents. Is it a Trump fridge or a Biden fridge? So we were actually curious about that, how good we would do if we looked at it. Because, you know, Big Daddy had very defined ideas on what's in a Trump fridge. And I think a lot of people have an idea of what makes a Democrat, like you always hear about them, like cultural elites. And I, I, I remember when Obama was president and they made a big deal of him eating arugula. And I was like, dude, it's arugula. I eat arugula. They sell arugula at the grocery store. <laughs> I do not eat arugula. I, I eat lettuce. <laughs> yes. Um, apparently Braxton is not a fan of arugula. <laughs> Nor lettuce. <laughs> Actually, that is true. We've been uh, kind of amusing ourselves over the past month about what Braxton will eat. And we have found that Braxton is not so much a fan of, well, no, no, actually, it turns out he likes banana. He just took a little while to warm up to it. Yeah. He really loves watermelon. 
But carrots, no, carrots are abomination. And lettuce, actually, no, he's not fun. So basically, we learned that the dog is now a bunny. <laughs> that dog may may have some some brother like tendencies, <laughs> and he does not like arugula. Yes, that we know of. So apparently, by Fox News's logic, I guess he could be a Republican or a conservative because mm. of arugula. Damn, that's where we are. <laughs> so we decided that we would share some of the examples of the fridge. And Big Daddy, I'm going to test your knowledge to see if this is a Trump fridge or a Biden fridge. I didn't prep. Am I, I'm afraid I might flunk this test. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, there's no scoring um, exam to it. You know, there's... Nothing that you have to worry about about consequences. Okay. So, you may get uh, bragging rights if you know the difference between the two. All right, cool. Because, you know, my SATs were okay. My <laughs> ACTs were better. <laughs> Anything to help me boost my, you know, my Mensa capacity, get me into Mensa, the Mensa of fridges. There we go. I'm in it. <laughs> I'm down with it. Okay. So this first fridge looks like it's filled with leftovers. There's like, Tons of like circular um, containers that are kind of nondescript. It looks like, wow, they drink a lot of milk. There's like three quarts of milk in there. There's like a section with loose eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Just like something really random. It looks like it's some kind of like pan that's in there as well. I mean, they have a non- whole ass pan. They have like a whole ass pot that's in here. Okay, this is too damn easy. Okay, so the Trump fridge or Biden fridge? It's got to be a Trump fridge. It's got to be. Okay. Actually, sorry, it's a Biden fridge. Oh, hell. <laughs> this is some bull right here. How do you love that Biden fridge? <laughs> okay. All right. Second fridge. <laughs> okay. I got to redeem myself. Okay. I have to say, this fridge is a mess. So whoever took a picture of this fridge, dude, wipe down the fridge before you give it to the New York Times. But I guess it doesn't matter because it's not like they're putting a name to the fridge. But I know I would be embarrassed. So anyway, it's it's a fridge. Again, lots of leftovers. Um, it looks like in the vegetable keepers, they have some carrots. They have some lemons. They have ready whip. Um, it looks like it's a type of chow chow type relish. There is some mayo. There's definitely some Hellman's mayonnaise. No, we're dealing with white boys. <laughs> you know, that's... Or, or young ladies out, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Hey, 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 here's a clue. There's hummus, what looks like hummus in the fridge and one of the meat keepers. Okay. All right. So, is this a Trump fridge or a Biden fridge? And let me just say that. It looks askew. It's not like perfectly organized. You know, there are clues in there, but at the same time, I will from sight take the opinion that it is a a Biden representative. Yes, it's a Biden fridge. Ding 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 ding. Who? Who? <laughs> That's right. Okay. All, all right. right. I'm back. I'm back on back on deck here. All right. Okay. This one's more confusing. It looks like there's nothing in the fridge, honestly. (laughs) Save for a a bottle of soda. 
and the soda's turned around, so you can't see the brand of the soda. This is like, but it's a case. red label, so it could very well be either Dr. Pepper or a Coca Cola. Well, Actually, from the dark red, it looks lower like a Dr. Pepper. So there's nothing else in the fridge. The fridge looks completely clean, except for the Dr. Pepper. This is like a college student-like <laughs> fridge. Is it a Trump fridge? Oh. Or a Biden fridge? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> this 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 might. Ooh. I was I was kind of hoping we get like a good clear sign of what the the drink would be because we know it's, it's not a tab. I, well, no, sadly, yeah. it is not a tab for okay. tab fans. I'm really can. Okay, I know that you normally don't. We we decided you're not going to peek at it, but look at it. Just take a look. That's a Dr. Pepper label, right? Because yeah, in the darkness, it looks Dr. yeah, it kind of looks like a Dr. Pepper. So only thing that's in there is a Dr. Pepper, and that's it. It's just clean. Other than that, hmm. Trump fridge or Biden fridge? I am going to. I think I'm going to air on the side of flipping the deck and say that this is a this is a representative of the uh, the Trump organization. Before we fill the answer, <laughs> tap an object that suggests this is Trump fridge. <laughs> oh my god! They actually said that. Before we reveal the answer, tap an object that suggests this is a Trump fridge. So what? Just the Dr. The, the Pepper? Dr- yeah, the drink. Yeah. Good guess. It's a Trump fridge. Yeah. <laughs> we just high five. That's hilarious. So wait, are they saying that only Trump people drink Dr. Pepper? I like Dr. Pepper. No, I have nothing against Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Dr. Pepper, you know, they make very good drinks. Okay. I'm just thinking just by the way that the refrigerator <laughs> lent itself and the fact that there was nothing in the damn fridge. It was clean straight through, you guys, except for the bottle of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> okay. So, oh, gosh. So this fridge has a lot of condiments on the side door. Oh, good. So oh, it looks okay. like it's ketchup and barbecue sauce. Oh, oh, okay. And okay. maybe some kind of jam. Jam. There's two beers. And let me just say, the bottles on the side door is well used. It has feta. It mm. has half and half. A lot of beers. A lot of bottles of beers. It's one, two, three, four, five at least five. Um, it has some vegetables that are spilling out. So it has like some green beans that are spilling out on the top of a container. It looks like there's some vegetables in the meat and and the veggie keeper, something green, so maybe apples. I think I'm going to fall my share. Um, so is this a Trump fridge? Or a Biden fridge? Hmm. <laughs> I have to think about this for a second because there are so many different things going in so many different directions. It's really busy. And I think by the organization of it and the way that things are kind of thrown around, I want to call it, I, I, I want to say a Trump fridge, but for some reason, there's just something that, that is telling me it's a, de- it's a decoy. I I know that I'm going against my own best interest, but I am going to say a Biden fridge. 
Okay. Yes, there's a fighting fridge. Yes. Bring it <laughs> to the home. I think we found your secret calling. <laughs> oh, this one's going to be tough. Okay. Okay. First of all, there's not a lot in the fridge. So on there's three shelves, right? On the bottom shelf, it looks like it's a big, it's a big container of the dry creamer. Like, okay. if you ever get like, I forget the brand. I recognize the brand from the back of it, though. Um, it's odd they put it in the freezer. I mean, the fridge, and it looks like it's a a roll of Tennessee Pride sausage. That's on the bottom shelf. On the middle shelf, there's nothing but a couple of Ziploc bags when it looks like it has pizza in it. On the top shelf, surprisingly, there is more creamer. It looks like it's the um, International Coffee Creamer. I've bought it before. It's clearly French vanilla because I know the flavor because it has the blue container on it, um, the blue cover on it. There's some shredded cheese. There's some type of beverage in a, like a, you know, beverage container. There's a near empty bottle, um, two liter bottle of Sunkiss. There's some kind of butter spread. Yeah, it's like really sparse. Once again, it seems kind of college student-esque. So is it a Trump fridge or a butter fridge? Oh, goody. Goody, 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 goody. I feel like I need to put on my sluice hat and whip out a mask because there might be some social distancing going on in this fridge. I'm confused why there's so much creamer in this. Except maybe if there's no creamer in the container at the bottom. Right. That could be it. Because you don't have to refrigerate the powder creamer. That is okay. You do not. I Hmm. feel like, once again, this may be the refrigerator that stumps me. <sighs> Good. I, I I think for speed, if this was Jeopardy on speed, I'm going to say this has to be a Trump bridge, despite the fact there's a lack of meat or protein products. In but this. there is a single, <laughs> what, vegans can't be Republicans? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just looking at the composition. If there's like one thing that might have meat in it but we're yeah. not 100 in but but the one rule of what's obviously tennessee pride because i recognize the container the rule yeah thing i mean it looks like it hasn't been dug in yet it's like uncut untouched yeah i don't I'm, know if that helps yeah. so you're still sticking with trump i i know them I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna catch a buzz for this but i'm gonna say this might be a trump bridge okay Nope, it's a Biden fridge. Son of a... <laughs> Let's do one more. Okay, oh. Ooh, this one's going to be tough. Okay. okay. This one is going to be tough. All right. I'm going to just cheat because I'm just going to show this to you. Huh. <laughs> you guys should see his face. He's like, what? Okay, because there's like a lot going on in this. All right, so I'm going to try to describe it for our our listeners. Okay, good luck. This is a busy. <laughs> this is a very busy, non-social distanced fridge. Yes, it is crowded. It's stuffed to the brim. 
Um, it looks like amongst the contents, there's a bottle of beer. It looks like that's either a bottle that has been opened and used of either salsa or pasta sauce. There's Mountain Dew on the top shelf. What the hell is that? <laughs> I think it might be yogurt. <laughs> it might be yogurt. Or it might be something else. There's a lot of containers that's just crammed into this fridge. A lot of containers. Although there looks to be some type of jalapeno on top of one of the containers. And another container has a little container of milk. A lot of the stuff is just nondescript and it looks like it's like the containers like your grandmama has where it on the outside it says country crock, but you know it's some used food that's in there, like leftovers. So whoever does this, whoever fridge this is, clearly likes the leftovers. And, and, and it looks like there's one bottle of water. Okay. Just by that notion. Is it a Trump fridge? Or Biden fridge. Okay, just for that notion, I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to spread away. Okay. I'm going to go just by the fact that, just by the comp- uh, how things are arranged, and by the fact that as I'm thinking about how things are put together, straight up and down, it's got to be it's it's either Tucker Carlson's fridge <laughs> or Kid Rock's fridge. Damn. I'm saying straight up and down. The only thing we're missing is some whiskey and taco Tuesday. So I'm gonna say it's Trump, is Trump, is Trump, it's gotta be the lump. Okay, all right, all right. Before we reveal the answer. Is there a button I gotta push? Tap an object that suggests ah, this is a Trump fridge. I'm gonna say the Mountain Dew. But yeah, the Mountain Dew. Oh shit, I didn't Oh no, I didn't get to see. I think we were wrong. What? <laughs> I think we were wrong. <laughs> it changed before I had a chance to look at it, but I think we got it wrong because the percentage went down. <laughs> so it was a vine fridge. <laughs> All right, show's over. I'm out. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if you guys would like to take this quiz for yourself, <laughs> You can go to the New York Times. They actually have the quiz still posted. <laughs> and, you know, apparently, yeah, you mom, should see his yeah. face. His face is still befuddled by that last one. Yes. Yes, I am. Okay, can I ask a question? Why did we decide that the Mountain Dew was indicative of being a Trump fridge? Because I would like to believe, you know, Trump looks like he's, like, <laughs> Basically fueled on Mountain Dew. <laughs> a lot of his followers well, seem like they're like fueled son, by Mountain Dew. His son looks like he freebases Mountain Dew, but that's okay. <laughs> I think as opposed to hydrochloroquine, there was Mountain Dew in them veins. <laughs> that's just my opinion, and my opinion only. No disrespect to <clears throat> everyone, but... Wait. The Gourmet Goober podcast would like to personally say that we have no aspersions one way or another towards the the makers of Mountain Dew or the Mountain Dew drink. Please consider us for a sponsorship deal sometime in the future. Thank you, management. (laughs) Thank you and good night. (laughs) Well, shifting gears, but only a little. 
Another story that we found that was fascinating, and again, it ties food to the election, was something that Big Daddy had brought to my attention. And that is that in many respects, the division that exists not only exists in the fridge when it comes between um, Trump voters and Biden voters, but it can also be representative as well when it comes to where someone chooses to shop. In fact, Big Daddy had shared with me that there is a scenario that is taking place where it's based on whether or not one goes to Cracker Barrel or one goes to Whole Foods. It's like East Coast, West Coast, but really it's like Cracker Barrel, Whole Foods. And it goes it you it goes the way that you think it would, but at the same time, just the way that the elections have fallen, um, actually it's kind of interesting by the percentages and by the candidates that have been brought forth in the presidential elections. That's the thing that intrigued me the most because I thought it was just a one once off once I looked at it at first, but just the way that it was broken down and the fact that somebody actually put together this type of research and or someone may have put money into this just amused me to no end. Well, this is actually surprising. So this was also what our conversation was based on an article um, and a part of the New York Times is called The Upshot where it says to beat Trump, Democrats may need to break out of the Whole Foods bubble. bubble rather. And it was written by David Wasserman. However, this has been something that has been analyzed for quite a long time. In fact, you had shared with me that there was a survey that people were qual- following since the 90s. Yeah, since 1992. And the first, I'm sorry, yeah, the first uh, Clinton uh, selection. So the idea goes a little bit like this, where that because of the difference in where individuals choose to spend their time and their money, that um, Democrats, according to this logic, live within a mile or um, spend money within a mile or several miles within a Whole Foods, a Lululemon, an Athletica or a Lululemon. Or, yeah, like the Lululemon yoga pants thing. Oh, the Lululemon. The Lulu. Oh yeah, Lululemon. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, I know about I know about them little girls in the, in the Lululemon pants. <laughs> Trust me, I watch. Okay, maybe you shouldn't say that because okay, maybe sounds, I don't watch. Yeah, that makes you sound kind of leery, and I know you don't mean it the way it sounded. Okay, cool. I'm out. But. Okay, we're going to move on from that. But it's interesting. They were talking about that 69% of U.S. voters live closer to a Cracker Barrel, a tractor supply company, a Hobby Lobby, or Bass Pro Shop, as opposed to one of the high-end brands like Lululemon or Whole Foods. Okay. So... I guess the idea is if you want to win back people um, that are considered Trump voters, you need to basically have your places or be closer to the Cracker Barrel type areas than you would be the Whole Food um, and the um, the Lululemons. Yeah, 
but by the same token, a lot of these polls were taken in counties where there was both a Cracker Barrel and a Whole Foods. And they could basically dictate the vote? Yes. You know, I find that really bizarre. And I find it for a number of reasons. Because, one, we live in Indiana, even though we are part of Northwest Indiana, which is considered Chicago. Yeah, just to the south end of Chicago land. Or as I like to tell my people, like the other day when I gave a speech to introducing myself to my new day job, I jokingly tell them I live in the south, south side of Chicago. That's my story, and I'm sticking to that. (laughs) Mm, Just say you're a regionite and live with it. (laughs) I live in the south, south side of Chicago. But anyway, Mm. (laughs) um, growing up in Indianapolis... Like, there was a Cracker Barrel near me. Okay. And the Cracker Barrel, like, the area where I lived in. Okay, maybe that's a bad example. Because I was just thinking. <laughs> I, I, okay, I was just thinking, okay, at, at the time in which we moved there, it was unfortunately not very diverse when we moved into that neighborhood. Okay. We were the one of the first Black families who moved in. And I think I told you. Unfortunately, a lot of their responses to us, like putting up huge gates and getting big dogs, and I I don't want to go there. But it was decidedly conservative, right? Okay. But then the area in which it had the whole food, that was near Carmel at the time. And that side of the city, like Carmel and Fishers and all of that. The Bushi. Yes, the Bushi part of Indianapolis, if you will. And they too were hella conservative. So I don't think this fits everywhere because I do know there are quite a few people that aspire to both. Like I like shopping at Whole Foods. In fact, we were talking about getting Thanksgiving dinner from Whole Foods this year because I'm not cooking. I've decided that this year is so weird that for the first time in my entire married life, except when I was at my parents, I am not making a Thanksgiving dinner. I'm going to let someone else do it. Lagorma Guba has stated her <laughs> wishes, and thus, I guess I'm I'm having this Whole Foods dinner. So, well, no, we talked about it because we looked at different things, and it actually looked pretty reasonable for what you get. But then again, I too have spent time at Cracker Barrel. And I've gotten my whole life at Cracker Barrel because I like Cracker Barrel, the menu. Now, is the place that Cracker Barrel, like the market that's connected to it, problematic for a number of reasons? Yes, because it becomes apparent as you wander through that, that it reflects a time that wasn't quite for us as Mm. Black people. Okay. But on the other hand, when I came home, when I used to live um, in Indianapolis and I went to college, going to Cracker Barrel was kind of like our routine. So my parents would come and pick me up when my school year was done. And on the way home, we would stop at Cracker Barrel and we would get something to eat. So we would just have some of the Southern food, which my mother grew up with and she really liked. This is the gourmet guru's way of justifying her <laughs> love of Cracker Barrel. 
and her, you know, Midwestern roots. Okay, obviously, I didn't realize I was blind to how problematic the store is. And I think it actually touches base a little bit what they were trying to say, where it's the idea of Whole Foods and the elites and the assumption with it versus Cracker Barrel and a lot of the appeal. It's it's a retroactive time. Okay. So it's a nostalgia-based factor. And if you even if you think about it, it does make sense in a way, because what is the what was the tagline of the Trump administration? It was make America great again. It Mata. looks like they're looking backwards. Yes. And what looks backwards more than Cracker Barrel? It is certainly that. <laughs> yeah. The only way I can look at this is as I'm trying to be as objective with this as I can, because from my point of view, I as a person who grew up with ne really neither. I mean, even though there was always Cracker Barrels around, I never really went to a lot of Cracker Barrels, even though my, like my mom and dad were, you know, from time to time when they would have little get-togethers, their family, they would go to Cracker Barrel. For some reason, they never invited me, so that's cool. But I also had never seen a Whole Foods market until, really, uh, actually until we were married and we lived in Illinois, in a suburb. Yeah. And the suburb where we lived in was hella conservative. Yes. So, again... I think it's good in practice, and I think it feeds into the whole idea of the whole elites factor, which, by the way, I got to say, I don't know who came up with that idea, but that is hilarious. Like, who were we watching where we were flipping through election results? And we normally don't watch this channel, but it was someone where they were talking about, well, the elites are trying to convince you that Biden really won the election. And I'm like, okay, first of all, <laughs> he did win the election because, you know, math is math. We can't change that. Math is still math. And, you know, if your goal is 270 and you get 279, congratulations, you won. That's just how it works. You have reached the meter, yes. You have reached the end of your destination. Yes. But then, too, I'm laughing because the whole, you know, elites thing. And I'm just like, no offense, a lot of people I know who vote a certain way are not liberal elites at all. And I'm just looking at my husband like, oh my gosh, I did not realize that we were living in all this refinery in our mansion. <laughs> Have you been hiding this from me? <laughs> I didn't want to tell her. We lived the bushy. We just didn't tell them this. Wow. I had no idea. As we're feasting on church's chicken for dinner because I was too tired to cook. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Sometimes churches can be the bushy too. <laughs> so I, we say this, and you can actually look it up and Google it. There is actually a lot of different articles that cover the Whole Foods to Cracker Barrel phenomenon. Um, but a lot of times, I guess, this is actually one of the factors that <clears throat> individuals are using to compare the whole political spectrum of how someone will their vote will be leaning yeah. um which isn't necessarily the case in my experience but i just think just got a question if whole foods versus cracker barrel which i think is probably not a good representation because again living in westmont illinois and seeing all the people who went to the whole foods nearby 
I can assure you, they're probably not blue voters. I'm just saying. Um, Even though Illinois and the Westmont area did go blue. Well, that is true. Yes. But we also know that it's the city itself that drives them being blue, not like the upper downstate areas. Yeah, we'll go with that. It's just kind of like Georgia. Georgia went blue in large part because of Atlanta. And the surrounding areas. Right. So... My question to you is if Whole Foods versus Cracker Barrel isn't a good representation of who's the quote unquote liberal versus the conservative factor, is there something else you would use in regards to something? Like, is there like an alternative to that? Popeyes and Chick fil A? Ooh, that's good. That was, yeah, that was not a reach. That was just a short way. <laughs> No, no, that's actually a perfect representation of it. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, no, no. I have <laughs> I have one that it may not resonate, but everyone, if they really think about it, it talks about it. Right. Will we say White Castle and Crystals? No. Okay. Because that's more of a regional thing. Okay, North and South. Yeah, so... Mason Dixon. Yeah, that's more of a regional thing. Because, again... In places where they have crystals, they actually sell White Castles, but they sell them in grocery stores. Right. Like when I went to grad school in Mississippi, they did not believe that there were White Castles that were actual restaurants. I remember going home and taking a Polaroid and showing my students like, see, I didn't make this shit up. <laughs> it's actually a White Castles drive through I'm in. They exist. <laughs> But actually, I think Chris, mm. Chick-fil-A and Popeye's would probably be a good representation of it. Okay. Uh, well, we'll have to ask the listeners. So if you guys check out the article, there's several that's out there. The one that we're referencing is one written by Dave Wasserman, and it's in the New York Times. But if you can think of something else, drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. We kind of want to hear your thoughts about it as well. And if you happen to take the quiz and you do better than we did, because we obviously did poorly and got only 50% of the questions right, we'd love to hear that too. Um, You know, rounding things up, um, along Thanksgiving, you know, we talked about that briefly. And just as a heads up, we will have one more episode before Thanksgiving, so we'll be able to share that. But outside of that, you guys have probably noticed that there are a heck of a lot of holiday commercials and things that are out um, outstanding just promoting Christmas. In fact, largely, a lot of that is largely due to the pandemic from what I've read because of the fact that people are home earlier, they're doing more shopping online. So they're encouraging people at an earlier pace than they've done in years past, you know, in order to get the shopping going and getting that out there and start thinking ahead Towards the holiday season. In we fact, want your money. <laughs> exactly. So one of the clearest sides of that is Oprah just released her favorite things. And you know she normally does that a little later in the month, but it's actually out now. Oprah wanted to get away from Stedman. <laughs> so she released early. Well, you know, they don't have that Oprah store anymore where Stedman's working in the back. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Stedman We're not going to talk about house. that. <laughs> 
But anyway, if Oprah's things are out now, um, it's kind of like if you're not familiar with Oprah favorite thing, it's kind of like this huge list that she puts out every year where it's basically like, hey, I totally love this. I'm fabulous. I'm Oprah. And if you want to live like me, even for a little bit, you can buy your own, right? <laughs> if you can afford it. <laughs> if you can afford it is the key question. So if Oprah's favorite things are out of your price range, this holiday season, um, Yum! Brands, which if you're not familiar with them, they're the owner of Taco Bell and KFC and a lot of related brands. They have decided to help you with your holiday shopping. And they do, they're doing so by offering two unique ways to purchase and be a part of their brand. One is Taco Bell. They're offering what is known as the Taco Gifter. So it's a taco gifting service um, that they are offering right now where you can actually send someone a taco. More importantly, it's a $2 gift card that's redeemable via Taco Bell, via their website or an app order. Um, it's only at participating um, places, but... Yeah, you can go to tacobell.com backslash gifter and you can place an order for your own taco and cool. send it to a loved one in need. Like Tucker Carlson. <laughs> we will not be sending him a taco. <laughs> okay, LeBron James. <laughs> you know what? LeBron actually got out the vote this year and helped um, individuals who were um, being disenfranchised by poll tax in Florida be able to vote. So, yeah, LeBron, I would send you a taco. <laughs> if I were you, LeBron, uh, if the Gourmet Goober sends you a taco, I would need it. Hey, I meant that. So no. even though I'm not a LeBron fan, yeah. I would genuinely send him a taco. Okay, I'm sorry. I would send my <laughs> comment. So if and it's I, not like I make it. He would actually get the gift card and he would get his own taco. Okay, fine. <laughs> so once again, I rescind my comment. LeBron James, enjoy your tacos. But if you know, if for some reason Isaiah Thomas should get some tacos, Michael Jordan shouldn't accept it. Not even a gift card because you know they still have that animosity thing going on. Yes, they do. <laughs> but you know what? If the taco is not your thing, don't worry because Young Brand still has your back. So they are offering the opportunity through KFC to buy your very own fried chicken scented fire logs. Wait a minute, what? Now, we talked about this last year. So you can get a Yule log that will be able to burn in your fireplace and it'll smell like 11 herbs and spices from KFC. It was so popular last year that now they're offering the Yule log at specially um, selected Walmarts. I feel like there's something to this. There's a residual effect from chicken flavor Yule logs. Does it include all 11 urban spices or do they like leave out a few like they do in the chicken? You know, that is a very good question because my concern is if you ever go to a KFC, it is just not as flavorful as other places. That's why, yay, we chose the, you know, the church's chicken that one time. Um, but that said, 
you know, if you are so inclined to be reminded of, let's say, the 10 urban spices that they left out the 11, then yeah, your house can smell like fried chicken. That's when I'm going to start walking around the house like, you know, as my fireplace is burning, looking for biscuits. I think it's a bad idea, personally, only because we have a very hungry dog and I can just see him rooting through the fire logs trying to get a piece because he thinks it's a fried chicken. That said, I think it's genius for them as a promotion item because this is the third year in a row that they've offered it. And every year the holiday item has sold out very quickly because, you know, you could only get it online. It was limited um, to, I think one year they only had like a thousand that they sent out. Um, But in this case, you can get them at Walmart. In fact, right now they're still on sale at walmart.com. And it's only $15.88. So what better way to say I love you and you love chicken than with a gift of a chicken flavored Yule Log? I don't know how to feel about that. Because <laughs> I got some relatives that may end up like, they may get hungry enough where they'll eat the log. They'll be like, you know, grandmama's you know, chicken wasn't, or turkey wasn't that good this year. Well, got nothing else to do. They might be hungry enough to eat the log or at least nibble on it. Well, if you are so inclined, KFC actually offers some helpful tips if you were to purchase their U-log. Don't eat the log? Well, actually, yes. Believe it or not, that is actually tip number one. (laughs) Okay. It may result in a craving for fried chicken. We know the fire log smells great, but please don't attempt to eat it. Please don't put your face directly into the fire an attempt to smell fried chicken. I think it's sad they have to say that, but there you go. Yeah. Also on the same listing on the Walmart site, they also advise you to enjoy the scent before burning. The smell escapes it when actually lit. So that's important. Yeah. Because again, I'm worried that Braxton will smell the fried chicken and decide to go in and get one. Number three is the fire log can burn up to 2.5 to 3 hours. So it's great for fireplaces, fire pits, wood stoves, and campfires. And they do advise you to store in a safe, dry place away from pets because, again, smells like fried chicken. And our dog does like to gnaw on wood. <laughs> yes. Even though I do have an interesting side point. Actually, not even a point, but interesting. What if you take this log... And you're like, you know, you're roasting by the open fire. wonder if you whip out some marshmallows. I wonder how that would go. Would you have fried chicken flavored marshmallows? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) As we look pensively off in the distance. (laughs) Wait a minute. Things that make you go, And if that would be the case, how would that taste? Hmm. I don't know. It would taste like chicken. <laughs> you know, the sad thing is we don't have a fire pit or wood stove or a place to burn a campfire. Yeah. I kind of want the fire log anyway, just to find that out. <laughs> oh, we can break into a neighbor's house and take care of that problem. You know, our neighbors across the street, they actually do have a they do have a fireplace. 
maybe we can go visit them. Bring <laughs> Barla. I don't know how we would explain that. Yeah, you know, also Hi the, guys, uh, nice to see you. Merry Christmas. Oh, by the way, here's here's our gift. Yes, it does smell like fried chicken. No, we're not trying to be racist. But we would like you to burn it because we want to do an experiment. <laughs> they're not letting us in the house. Not ever. <laughs> yeah. Plus the Rona is real. Yeah, the Rona is really real, so maybe not that. So if you are listening, just remember, you can actually go to walmart.com and get your own as of now KFC limited edition 11 herbs and spices fire log. Or you can go to tacobell.com backslash um, gifter and send your own taco. I'm actually going to send tacos to my siblings this year just to be able to reach out and share that I care. Well, I'm almost afraid of what they would send back. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure they all eat Taco Bell at this point. <laughs> but that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we are going to take a quick break with that. And then when we come back, we will close out our podcast as we do, sharing the best thing we ate this week. So you're listening to The Gourmet Goober, and we will be right back. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Lorano. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. Hey everyone, we are back. This is JJ Outlaw. And T. Outlaw. And we're back with a new episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. And we are closing out our show as we do every podcast where we visit the best thing we ate this week. So as a reminder, these are the local restaurants, The um, maybe it's a recipe that we've made, um, maybe something that we got to try, try from a national chain, but it's good grub that we feel that you should probably know more about. As always, I put a link to either the recipe or the restaurant um, in our show notes. So hopefully you can visit them and have an opportunity to sample it for yourself. And so this week, Big Daddy and I have a couple of different I, um, items that we wanted to share. And Big Daddy, as always, and our best thing we ate this week, you go first. Yes. <laughs> I, T. Outlaw, have decided that this week's best thing I ate was actually something that was prepared by the Gourmet Goober that was adapted from a recipe, I believe it came from the kitchen or the Food Network. Yes. Uh, chef. Uh, Jeff. Jeff Morrow? Yes. Yes. I don't know if she had talked about it uh, in recent episodes, but this was in reference to a Chicago classic. Uh, it was a, it was kind of like a deep dish pizza pot pie that was prepared kind of like it was flipped upside down and turned to the side. And the gourmet goober made it for me last night. And this thing was made in a, what was it, an electro set? 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Am I allowed to, like, brag about it? Pretty much it was the best thing I <laughs> ate this week, so now the gourmet goober shall now gush about it. <laughs> well, no, I'm, you mentioned about the La Cousay, and yes. it was, I finally got a chance to break out our La Cousay mini croquettes, uh, croquette, um, which is like a little individual Dutch oven that yes. I've been dying to use. Sorry, I... I'm I'm like obsessed with La Cousay cooking <laughs> um, items. Like, you know, you got me this incredible La Cousay, like mini Dutch oven that's shaped like a heart one year. Yeah. So they're like really expensive if you don't know them, um, but really they last a lifetime. And so they had a sale earlier this year and I was like, can I? I know it's not in our budget, but I would like to spend this only because, and you're just like, yeah, sure. I'm like, great. Cause I already bought it. <laughs> and now it's being guarded by adults. Okay, so. But yeah. Um, really? That's the, you really like, well, I loved it too. It was really, really great. It was damn good. I will admit, <laughs> but I had to force it to put sausage in it. No, no. Cause the recipe actually, well, actually, the recipe that Jeff Morrow did had pepperoni, but I know you're more of a sausage person. That's and, okay. I could take pepperoni, but you know, what would happen if you had pepperoni and sausage? Well, technically, yes, we could, but honestly, I couldn't find any pepperoni yesterday, so you got sausage. Okay. <laughs> so let me just take it a step back. Um, so what I made, and I'll share the recipe, is there is a um, restaurant that's very famous in Chicago. It is called the Chicago Pizza and Oven Grinder Company, right? And they are known for what is known as a pizza pot pie. So it's an individual pot pie, um, individual pizza. And the way they do it is rather unique. So it's topped with a Sicilian type bread dough. It has a homemade sauce that has like olive oils, fresh garlic, usually has green pepper, whole plum tomatoes, lots of cheese. Um, In this case... He also included whole um, baby bell um, mushrooms that's in it. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is you cook it in an individual oven safe um, bowl, um, usually with a lip on it. And you load everything in, you top it with the pizza dough, you bake it, and then you flip it over. And the whole idea is it cooks in a way so it makes like a little bread bowl out of the pizza dough and like all the um, toppings are inside. It's delicious and it's gooey and it's cheesy and it's really, really good. I've been obsessed with that place for a while. In fact, um, we were actually planning to go there and then the Rona hit. So I didn't have a chance to go. But a couple weeks ago on The Kitchen, which is a show on Food Network, um, Jeff Morrow actually showed how to make a version of this at home. And I thought, great, this is amazing for a couple of reasons. One, I have almost all the ingredients in the house. Two, it gives me an opportunity to break out the coquette, which I'm obsessed with and very protective of and wanted the right recipe to break them out. And I just figured it would just be the perfect size for everything. Well, so the recipe, which I did, on, and I'll again do the link, I did almost everything in the recipe except for this being a more traditional type Dutch oven as opposed to um, like a, a bowl. 
where it has like the rim on the side that allows you to kind of self-contain everything when you flip it over. Yes. Um, it didn't have that rim per se, but it was still good. So we ate it like a traditional pot pie where, you know, instead of flipping it over, like the pizza dough foamed the crust, but it was delicious. I mean, it had lots of cheese and you even ate the mushroom and you're not even fond of the mushroom. You don't like mushrooms. Okay, technically, I took the mushroom and chopped it up finally, but you still ate it. I still ate mushrooms. <laughs> so, um, it is a fun dish to make and a fun dish to to eat. I wish I've taken pictures of it. I was planning on taking pictures of it, but by the time I was done, it was kind of late, and so I, I just hungry. dove right in <laughs> and I ate it, and it was done. But it's actually a very easy dish to make. So even if you have like, you know, get pizza that our pizza dough that's pre-made you could probably whip this and have it in the oven with just a few key ingredients and less than 30 minutes so i do recommend it and i'm so touched that you liked it yay (laughs) i did i i'd highly endorse this concoction creation well it's something that i was happy to make so jeff if you were listening out there thank you for the recipe and we will, again, share it in the show notes. Yeah, it's better than pork and mundies, man. <laughs> Ooh, we will not go in the pork and mundies here on the podcast. Okay. Let's just say Jeff is known in Chicago as being the Sandwich King. And he has this restaurant that was, um, he had opened up where it was a barbecue restaurant called Pork and Mindy's. It did not... Um, we went when the restaurant just opened. And so I think that maybe they hadn't mastered a couple things yet. I'm going to be nice to you and say that you might want to work on your sauce first. Yeah, the sauce was weird and kind of drippy and didn't taste like traditional barbecue sauce at all. No. And the meat wasn't very well seasoned and it was sort of basic. But no, it was a good experience to say that we went. Yes. And it's in a great location. Um, and the people there were very nice. So I have to say that. But it wasn't the best day, <laughs> shall yeah, we say. Yeah, it was not their best yet. It wouldn't be something that, that I would recommend. However, something that I would recommend, and this is actually a record for us, because I think I looked back on previous episodes right before, and I don't think we've ever recognized a restaurant twice. Really? Okay. Yeah, so this is the first time we've recognized a restaurant two episodes. And especially now, two episodes in a row. Hmm. Okay. So, um, earlier this week, Big Daddy had jury duty. So, he um, reported for jury duty. You spent several hours there. Um, it was weird. You didn't get called. So, it was basically a waiting game. Yes. But while you were there, I came back and I was alone in the house. I had several meetings that I had to go through with my job. Um, but in between there, I had an opportunity to order what is known as a boogie burger from a place that we talked about last week called the Burger House. Again, it's a new restaurant in Gary, Indiana. Mm-hmm. So the burger, the boogie burger, it's so fun to say. The boogie. The boogie burger. Or is it, you know what? I think it's bougie. The it's, bougie burger? No, is that boogie or bougie? No, that's that's boogie. I will go with boogie for this one. 
We'll go with boogie. Yeah. <laughs> so the boogie burger is a four ounce burger um, that is actually topped with shrimp. It's breaded and fried shrimp. <laughs> it has a special cheese sauce that goes with it, and then lettuce, tomato, on, onion, and pickle. And it sounds incredibly weird, but for some reason, the shrimp and the burger and everything else mixed together, it was actually really, really good. Hmm. I really loved it. Okay, now I'm intrigued. (laughs) And again, we're kind of a fan of this out-of-the-way place because they do have a lot of unique flavors. This is a place we had told you about that also had um, the loaded french fries, so you can get them with like the elote fries that comes with cheddar cheese, roasted corn, um, poblano, um, lima, um, lime crema, and then flaming hot Cheetos for some reason, which sounds insane. But then they also have the one that's like made with a burger, um, instead of a regular burger bun, it's actually donuts. Yes. Big fan of those. Yes. So, um, the boogie burger seemed a little strange at first but it i have to say it was probably i i think what it was too i mean it had like regular cheese on it it had the cheese sauce and then the mixer everything it's just i mean the cheese sauce was like perfectly drippy you know um the cheese that was on top of it was really substantial it it just had a really great mouthfeel and it was really delicious Okay. So I can recommend the Boogie Burger again from our friends at the Burger House in Gary. <laughs> so we will put a link to the notes. We will put a link to the recipe for the um, Jeff Morrow version. And if you are in Chicago, because I have friends who absolutely swear by the Chicago pizza and oven grinder company i'll put a link to that as well okay so that way if you happen a chance to make your own and you can compare it to the original although from what i understand he did a perfect version of theirs um you can kind of let us know you can send us online at the gmail.com and let us know how, what you think so we are closing out today's show and again we want to thank you for listening and hanging out with us at the Gourmet Gooper podcast. We, we want- also like to give thanks and love to the veterans who served. Yes. And have, are here to protect us and keep us strong with their sacrifice. Yes, that is true. Because by the time this podcast goes out, and it'll go out on Wednesday instead of Tuesday, um, it will be Veterans Day. So as a proud daughter of... And ex-Marine, I wanted to say thank you as well for their service. Big Daddy, if they want to find you online, where can they find you? Online, you can find me, Tiatla, on Twitter at Tiatla, and on Instagram at Tiatla Josie Wells. I'm at always at JJ Outlaw on Twitter. You can always find me at Gourmet Goober on Instagram. Please drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. If you have questions about the show, you can visit us at thegourmetgoober.com. And if you wanted to, you know, buy some goober swag, you know, show them that 
you're gumbo worthy and part of Gooberland, head on over to gooberswag.com and you can get your own goober gear. No matter how you support us, we wanted to say thank you for all of the time that you've taken in listening to us. And until next episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast, we want you to stay safe. Please wash your hands, wear a mask, and as always, happy cooking. Happy cooking. Oh, and happy eating too. <laughs> Mm-mm.